0: Screamless. The TV drama is imagined. The work and the guests are real. Making a soundtrack. (coughs) Opening scene and action. Hi Dan. Dan? Dan? You there, Dan?
1: Hey, hey. Yes. Yes, I'm here. What are you doing? I'm conducting. Why are you conducting? Well, we've got a guest coming up later that <laughs> does a bit of it. I right. I'd have a
0: go. You know, the listeners can't see you. It's audio.
1: Oh, it, it is, isn't it? I forgot. That's a nice idea, though, Dan. Shall I carry on? <laughs> no, that's right. Well, oh, You know, okay. maybe later, maybe after the after
0: the podcast. Okay. Okay. So, who is going to be joining us today? It is the lovely Jeremy Holland Smith. Jeremy Holland Smith. Okay. Yes. Yes. Conductor, composer, arranger. He's done it all. You name it. Yeah. Great. So, uh, Jeremy will be coming up shortly. Before that, though, we have Cue the Music, where I tackled track nine, the the first part of it, which is the the strings. So, uh, well, actually... We could just dive into that, couldn't we?
1: Okay, let's um. <laughs> cure the music. Yay! Cue the music. So.
0: So. You sent me something. I did send you something. I yes. sent you some, str- well, mainly strings, mm. uh, plus a couple of other things. But yes. I wanted to avoid all of the extra instrumentation and concentrate on the strings, because I think this track needed to be more up-tempo, more urgent, more frenetic. And I think concentrating on those themes using the little string runs uh, would be a a really good place to start.
1: Yes, I I love what you've done incorporating all the different themes. Thank you. Yeah, really like it. Really, really like it. Um, I love the new theme that came out of track seven and your use of that in there and I think my only criticism is that it needs to be brought into the sound world that we've developed. Yes. Other than that, so. and that will happen with adding all the extra bits to it. I'm sure. So other than that, I mean, I just I love the intricacy of it. I love how frenetic it is, how mm. how pacey it is. Yeah, it really does. It really does feel like a some sort of action yeah, scene. Yeah.
0: We discussed last time having a really long, powerful note at the start. So I started with that, and then out of that, I used the. Yep. the new theme that you came up with in track eight and made that into a little mm-hmm. kind of motif on the on the violins and uh yeah took it from there kind of reintroduced your track eight theme again in the bass added some piano to kind of give it the same yeah. feel i've added some horns uh, the cine brass yeah. six legato horns patch so yeah since mm-hmm. then i've gone back and looked through how we can kind of albumify it I suppose so I've yeah I made some notes about yes. for instance the cat synth bass which is basically in everywhere it's our R2-D2 of the album it is I thought maybe you can either double it to the double basses yeah or take out the double basses and just have the the cat bass the cat synth I yeah. think that's just a bit of an A-B test isn't it see what sounds yeah, better yeah 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 and then there are other things uh there are certain like the the drums in the intro track one, yeah,
1: yeah, they could add a bit of uh, weight and a bit of um, a bit of pace to it as well, yeah, yeah. It don't need to be too much I
0: added a snare on the reference track, but I don't think the snare is it just made it sound too orchestral, yeah, yeah, I agree, so yeah, maybe replacing with that. let me just look up the rest of the notes Can I a, obviously the piano comes back into the bass, mm-hmm. so maybe that piano riser that's in. Track one as well that goes into that original, uh do, 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 that original ostinato that you have. Yeah. What else? There was a a synthie ostinato in track six, which could work yes. with a faster pace.
1: Isn't that just the main ostinato,
0: but no, no, on, on a synth? Uh, oh, maybe. I'm not sure. I've got the the time reference anyway. Cool. Those were the main ones. Yeah. I had. And when I was there at your house you played mm-hmm. what was it in was it in track 7 there was a gong
1: oh yes the gong yeah yeah,
0: yeah. and that could work
1: with the opening note oh it? definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's a, a really old sample mm. but it's um it's wonderful it's a it's really close miked low hit gong really soft but it just goes on forever yeah 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 it's fab
0: but i don't think it will take a huge amount to make it sound like the album. To bring it
1: back into the album. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, it's a case of balancing the strings with other things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it might be that some of the stuff that the strings are doing either gets doubled with or yeah. or moves onto something else. Absolutely. And, and what you've done in other tracks is
0: you've complemented what's going on with something else, some weird delay going on that kind of runs alongside something and then goes away, Yeah, things like that. So, yes, that's
1: what I've done so far I think it's great and I think it's it. like you say it won't take much to bring it into the sound world of the album
0: so this will be the first well this bit and obviously we can't comment on the next bit uh, the more completed track I suppose until you've had a tinker with yeah. those things so maybe we'll leave that till next time
1: Oh, a cliffhanger
0: <laughs> cliffhanger lovely block yeah he's a lovely block Bye.
1: Open the door, shut the window. No, get over.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I suppose it's time to go behind the scenes. BTS. Jeremy Holland-Smith is a composer, orchestral arranger and conductor who has amassed an extensive range of work in film, television, ballet, concert hall and theatre. As a television and film composer, Jeremy's most recent credits include composing the score for the feature film The Passing, which won three 2016 BAFTA Cymru Awards and for which Jeremy won the 2017 Music and Sound Award for Best Original Feature Film Score scoring the highly acclaimed BBC documentaries I Shot My Parents and North Korea Murder in the Family and the score for the return of the BBC series The League of Gentlemen. Jeremy was also the music consultant for the recent BBC adaptation of Les Miserables. As an orchestrator and conductor, recent work with composer Paul Englishby includes Queens of Mystery, The Musketeers, Series 2 and 3, Witness for the prosecution, Decline and Fall, A Royal Night Out, and his work with Murray Gold, including The Musketeers Series One, Life Story, and Doctor Who. Jeremy Holland Smith, welcome to the Making a Soundtrack podcast.
2: Hi, no, thank you for having me.
0: So, Jeremy, I'd like to start with Les Miserables, if I may. That was quite recent on the BBC. What was involved with being a music consultant? And which departments and people on the production did you work closest with?
2: So they, they needed someone, uh, I think they called it a, an historical music consultant. Um, sounds very grand, doesn't it? But um, <laughs> it just meant that someone needed to, you know, look at a lot of books and work out what music existed between, I think it was 18, 1815 and 1825. So that's when the revolution was. I hope I've got that right, because that's a bit embarrassing, because I haven't. <laughs> um, so it was it a was very specific kind of job to sort of do and research. And the producer phoned my agent and just said that, you know, we need someone who can arrange, someone who can knows a bit about that stuff. So it's was, it was kind of, you know, I had to kind of source some French cool music around that time. Uh, and sort of various kind of dances that would happen in a Paris Inn and in a kind of French brothel so that was quite interesting and (laughs) so yeah had uh, lots of interactions with the with the producers at Lookout Point and then basically kind of uh, drew up a kind of Bible that any choices that were made from that Bible so whether it's it's kind of music affairs, sacred music, wedding music, uh, music in inns, uh, m- music that or songs that the revolutionaries would sing as kind of marching songs, things like what what drummers would play, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they they were they were very conscious that it had to be historically correct, and sometimes we couldn't find the music, so. That would mean that I'd have to kind of write something or arrange something or kind of do something in in a you know, kind of sound-alike sort of thing. So that was a bit of to and fro between John Murphy and I. And then also the other aspect was to teach the songs to the actors. So people like Josh O'Connor um I had to teach Ellie Bamba the piano. So John would kind of write something, but then you know, I'd have to adapt John's piano piece so that Ellie could play it and come to me play it on set. So, yeah, that was kind of it. And then, you know, back and forth to Brussels, kind of being on set, freezing my (laughs) off at four in the morning. Um, You know, and then just sort of oddly finding myself in, you know, North Face shop, just buying more and more things to keep me warm. Uh, So, yeah, not, it's, it's just not, it's not very glamorous. You come back with a sort of, Pot belly because all you've really eaten is this kind of heavy beef bourguignon for (laughs) lunch, and then
0: you went method on the eighteenth century French.
2: You're doing that um, on set catering, which is which is like you're just eating like a lot of food all the time. (laughs) It's funny being on film sets because the sort of director say right now we're going to do that, and literally, I mean. You'd be standing around for an hour and a half while you know, they're kind of getting ready to do the next shot. No wonder people, you know, sort of smoke and do that, because that's, that's that's all there is to do, really.
0: I was just thinking I could get to Bristol in that time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, doing a, an orchestral session and said, right, we're going to do the next take. And, it, you know, it took you know five minutes to get the music up and get mm-hmm. a yeah. vocal session. I mean, you'd yeah. just, you'd, you'd die in your ass, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. We had
0: uh, Simon Whiteside on recently, and he was talking about onset music for things like Downton, and yeah, there was a lot of sitting around, and actually a lot of sitting around for the onset musicians as well, doing like twenty minutes in the, the two-day shoot
2: kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, we we had this um, scene, I think it was in episode one, and it took three nights to film, and you know we had a hurdy gurdy player, hard and hard anger fiddle player uh a kind of wooden flute uh accordion double bass violin and by five o'clock in the morning you know the hurdy-gurdy had kind of pretty much kind of frozen no longer <laughs> being able to turn the wheel um, yeah no it was it was interesting it was an interesting kind of project to be on uh, john murphy's just lovely loveliest of Lovely humans. So it was good, and it was a it was a really nice team. So yeah, it was good.
1: Going back to the start, Jeremy, you were head chorister at St Paul's Cathedral. Do you think that helped prepare you for your career? And when did you decide the music was the career for you? I think
2: kind of early on, really. You know, from the age of eight, you know, you're singing every day, singing services every day, and you know, singing amazing music in an amazing space. I think it's difficult to get rid of the music bug. Mm. You know, I think there's the still, you know, quite a few people who are still in the kind of music industry. There's a there's a singer who sings in Tenebrae. Jeremy Budd, Henry Jackman was there. You're you're singing every day. You're 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 doing it to such a high level, although you're not really aware of it at the time. You're just at school. You know, you're just a young kid. I mean, I've got kids that age now. Yeah. I can't imagine sending them away to board though and live next to door to St. Paul's Cathedral. But there you go. That's a, that's a separate issue. That's, that's therapy. <laughs> that's not. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, I, I thought that I was going to maybe be a core conductor. And, you know, I sort of did all that kind of organ stuff and thought that I was going to find myself in an organ loft somewhere. And then, <laughs> I, you know, I probably saw the light. And uh, and saw that there was another way, or another kind of. There's other ways to kind of do music. And one of the biggest kind of turning points was when I uh, started doing some stuff for the Royal Shakespeare Company. And I I kind of never really knew that you know Royal Shakespeare Company had live musicians and they had a new score every time they did a you know new Shakespeare play. I just it just didn't occur to me. So. I then started kind of doing a lot of musical direction for them, started then doing some writing, and I thought, this is great. It feels like you're part of something that is um, less of a you know, forgotten thing, mm. which maybe, oddly, now the age that I'm at, I'm actually kind of missing some, a purpose, I you know, I, talking about religion. I think, I think I'm definitely lacking a spirituality something that is, it was always a kind of go-to kind of thing, is what you grew up with, singing the even song every night, and then suddenly it's kind of all gone, you're taking a different turn.
1: You said about being so young, I mean, I've got kids that age as well, and I think when you are, you know, you don't think about things like that when you're that age, of course you don't, you're far too busy messing about and making trouble, so why would you be thinking about anything as deep as that? And And I think when you're put in that situation, you just kind of get on with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, we do, we sort of did every normal thing that, you know, my kids do at school. You know, they've come out of the lessons and then they go into the yard, you know, by the school and play football and, you know, and then you get scratches all over you, you, get, you know, all this kind of stuff and then you go and play football matches against other people. But then you, the bell goes, you go back into the classroom and the bell goes again and then you go up across the courtyard to the cathedral, start rehearsing, singing a song, come back for tea do your homework, go to bed. And you just literally, just don't think anything of it. You know, and then yeah. the ne- next day, there's like the royal family, you know, in the front row of congregation. <laughs> then you're, wow. or you're, you know, Abbey Road, you know, doing a film score for James Horner or, you know, you just do not think anything of it. Yeah, wow. Um, and you're, you're kind of broadcasting, you're doing BBC broadcast, you're doing, you know, CDs pretty much every term.
0: Did you have a, a favourite project that you were engaged with? You mentioned James Horner's score and CDs and things.
2: I specifically remember to, um, going and doing five days of recording at Abbey Road. Maybe I wasn't aware that it was Abbey Road then, but we were doing the score for The Lamp Four Time. Have you ever heard that?
1: Ah, no, I don't
2: think I have. It's, it's, it brings it's a amazing. bell, that. It's got the most amazing opening, it's got this soaring kind of horn tune and James Thatcher I think um, is playing principal horn and it's just incredible but I can just remember stood in 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 amongst the LSO kind of five days out of the road kind of recording the score and it and you know the film's going on behind you mm. you know in the break you're going to get his autograph and yeah
1: huh.
2: you know and then you know doing Paul McCartney's frog course and stuff like that I mean it's wow it's mental it's mental. <laughs> going on a usa tour and it was like 21 states in 18 days or something or was it the other way can't wow. be 18 eight, 18 states in 21 days and then i think we had two days off one was in new york and one was in i don't know denver or something because i remember falling for one of the girls that i was uh living with <laughs> um, not living with staying with you know kind yeah. of. so yes yeah, you're
0: like a rock star as a kid
2: I'm. I'm not saying yes, but I, I'm. I'm just I'm not saying no either. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm guessing. You know, if you're in a, what it must be like to be in a sort of football academy at that mm. age.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: I, I don't know. You as and as Dan says, you know, if you're in a football academy, you, you're not really aware of it. You're not really, or yeah. well, maybe you are. Are you aware that you're playing Chelsea one Saturday and and then you're playing? I don't know. I don't know.
0: I think you would be, but. You know, if you're around your mates, it's just part of life Then you take it in your stride, I suppose, don't you?
2: Yeah,
1: a bit more matter of fact as a kid, I think. You don't sort of, you know, it might be a, a big thing, but you just do it and then get on with the next thing because that's what they do. They just focus on what's next.
0: So, Jeremy, you are a very well-respected conductor and arranger and have worked on a lot of big productions with some of the world's finest orchestras. How do you balance arranging, conducting and composing? And do you have a preference?
2: that's that very kind of you to say um i disagree <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um I, I, re- I really like i do i do really like conducting i haven't uh, done that much this year because uh just the nature of like stuff i i did think actually last a uh, couple of weeks ago that how, uh, i was sort of missing that sorry what was the question again do
0: you have a preference between arranging conducting composing is it hard to kind of Switch brains, or is it, do you find it they complement each other, or how do you think of it?
2: Sure, yeah. I mean, without without a doubt, all three complement each other, and they all kind of feed in, which is brilliant. So I just finished something, orchestrating and arranging, a, a, you know, big piece for the BBC Ulster Orchestra, and it was really interesting having a conversation with the composer for that because I was, you know, saying to him that, you know. The thing about kind of TV music is that, and and this was, you know, a kind of sweep from a TV score. I, I was trying to kind of say, and I hope I, it didn't come across in a patronising way, He, he did. He, I don't think he take, took his that, and, and, and subsequently he thanked me for saying it. But I was kind of stressing that you can't kind of pull TV music out of Logic or Pro Tools or whatever and stick that onto a score and it translate into a concert hall. It just really doesn't work. Mm. And I think without you know there's there's been certain times, you know when you look at maybe some of the proms, can I say that? that you know they they're obviously enticing kind of a younger audience and you know getting people into thing. and it's it's very clear when you you then hear that there hasn't been much work getting the 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 kind of TV score, the movie score. Onto a concert platform, and it's almost like you need to kind of rethink the music again Mm -hmm. and reorchestrate it. You know, possibly even rearrange it, possibly even rewrite it. Because, as we all know, you move very quickly in TV. You're lucky if you've got kind of you know enough budget for players, and those scores just are not gonna. They're just not gonna work. And you can't put a load of balloons in front of a um you know top orchestra and want them to kind of play it really well and if you and if you give the double basses 36 bars of a bottom D, they're <laughs> literally gonna lose the will to live. <laughs> yeah. So and and that's where you know perhaps the kind of conducting kind of feeds in and uh, you know the composition feeds into the arranging. It all just kind of feeds in, I think. Mm. And you know having kind of conducting and stuff at the proms it's like you you kind of know about the kind of clicking to you know picture you know about the space you know about you know kind of how to fill the space um orchestration wise so yes it, it does it does really help and I, I i like not you know the great thing about doing the range you orchestrating is you sort of not the person that has to necessarily come up with the ideas which is it's quite liberating mm. you know you just, you can keep your Dropbox open and you see it all come in and you kind of go, okay, well, that's my day tomorrow. You know, I've got to get six minutes done or seven minutes done because otherwise I'm not going to meet the deadline. And I quite like that. Yeah. Um, And as the composing thing, sometimes you can just be literally just dying on your ass kind of, because it's just you, you know, and I can understand why people are now sort of, you know, teaming up with each other to kind of, deliver a project because you know being on your own day in day out it's pretty it's tough
1: mm. yeah yeah i couldn't agree more
0: one of the challenges that dan and i have had is we're writing an album that doesn't have the context of picture so we've actually got the opposite problem of don't put too much in because you know it's designed to be a soundtrack to a drama so so we found we've got to really hold back and you know keep that d going <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, especially when my style of composition is uh, what I call subtractive synthesis, where I throw absolutely everything. It's the Jeff Lynne production <laughs> technique and then start taking bits mm. out to see what, what works. So, yeah, that has been very challenging. So,
2: have you finished the album? No, not quite.
0: We are on track nine at the moment. Um, out of ten. Out of ten. And we're yet to tackle the
2: f- theme tune.
0: So, um We're going to get together for that in
1: January, aren't we?
2: Yeah. So what made you start that?
1: That's a good question. Why did we
0: do this?
1: Gareth approached me with the idea of starting the podcast. Originally, it was going to be a YouTube thing. And we thought, let's look into this. And I've done a bit of YouTube. And I realized how much work it was. And I think we then decided, actually, do you know what? Let's, Let's definitely keep it just a podcast. But the idea was always to write music at the same time so that we even if the podcast was a absolute catastrophe we would have an album at the end of it that we could then put into uh, put into a library or something so it wouldn't be a total waste of time <laughs> and
0: really the basic idea was to make an album publicly so yeah. it's reflecting a collaboration and all the challenges you face with you know not working in the same place and you know having shared files and how do you give each other notes and and you know all that stuff and then also on top of that, having guests on who've worked in the industry, because we thought originally we, we should have a script writer on because we don't have a point of context. We don't have the picture coming in that we can review and work from there. So how do we know when a plot should reach a certain point? or you know? So that's how it started. And then Dan said, well, if we're speaking to a script writer, why don't we speak to as many people as we possibly can? Yeah, And it's made it really interesting.
2: So it does have a narrative arc. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, a really does. good idea.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: we'll see at the end.
0: Yeah. yeah. it's uh, it, We found the sound. It took a, a few tracks for us to find the sound.
2: I mean, it's it's, it's interesting because I, I have spent most of the year developing uh, I just suddenly realised that uh, I've had to sign this NDA, so I can't. Anyway. Damn those NDAs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the latter half of the year I was working with with someone else and on, on this one song. And it was, it was just really, really fruitful. And Mm. I, I genuinely don't believe the song would probably be as good as it is now if I'd done it on my own, Mm. because I think it just needed some sort of kind of, you know, to and fro. So do you to and fro things all the time? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. And that this is exactly what's happened with the album. I don't think I would have written the stuff that is on the album unless I'd collaborated with Gareth. Yeah, so. vice versa.
0: Yes, and partly why I wanted to collaborate in the first place is I know what I sound like. I could have done it on my own, but I didn't want to. I wanted to go down an, an unknown path where I had no idea what it was going to sound like at the end. And honestly, I couldn't have predicted it. So no, no. I'm, I'm really pleased that that's a big tick in my criteria for doing it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, just thinking about you know this project, there was there's going to be certain songs that I know that they're sort of more kind of you know maybe kind of akin to myself, but I also know that there's going to be others where this particular person is going to bring a whole lot more to the table than yeah. You know, I'm not a drummer, I'm not a guitarist. Um, you know, you know this guy, he's a you know he's done loads of kind of hit records and kind of so.
0: It's not it's not Bruno Mars, is it?
2: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know, he's and he's got I don't know, just a more understanding of you know, producing, you know, songwriting. Um mm.
0: Dan, is your mind going now. TikTok tick. Tock, tick. <laughs> Will I am? I am it? <laughs> no. But it's
2: you know, it's still very cottage. It's yeah. still very cottage. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I don't know, it's I just it's quite a lonely kind of environment, isn't it? You know, kind of, you know, sat there for kind of six weeks on a really tight deadline.
1: Yeah, very much so.
2: It's tough, really tough. So, you know, I think that kind of feeds into those three aspects, arranging, conducting and composing. I think, you know, I really like conducting because I see a lot of, I would describe as friends, you know, and, you know, I haven't seen enough of them, you know, this year. and and I think arranging and orchestrating makes you part of a team, which is really nice. You know, so you you might be part of them. Mu- you know, when we were doing Musketeers, it was you know we had music editor Lewis. You know, Paul was composer. Catherine Goose was a fixer, and all this kind of stuff. And that you just felt like part of the team. So you'd all go out and bless him, Steve Price. Um, but you know, we'd all go out to um, Prague. You know, have a brilliant two days, and then. Get proper mashed in the evening (laughs) (laughs) and then feel really rough next day and come back together and then sort of do it all over again you know Mm. four weeks later and it was it was kind of nice you know but you know those budgets don't really i don't know they exist anymore no i think probably dare i say it you know musketeers for certain bc was probably maybe one of the last kind of big budget things i mean you know michael price has probably still got something similar but there's there's mm. kind of not many yeah i think they
0: are far and few between now certainly sounded big didn't it uh, musketeers nice series that
2: yeah and it was kind of you know paul wanted to do it kind of old school so we went out to prague and then we also then did lots of smaller sessions in the, the angel you know and it kind of brings up that other question as well is that what would you rather have uh, can i say this What would you rather have, um, 26 London musicians at Angel or would you have 60 musicians at Prague? Mm,
1: It's Unfortunately, it all comes down to money. Yeah. That doesn't mean, and this this is the difficulty when you start going to another country because you hope that those players are getting paid as well as the players that are getting paid over here. It just so happens that our economy is at a different state and... We're more expensive. It's massively
0: popular in library at the moment, isn't it? To yeah, record orchestras abroad.
2: Yeah, I mean, just, uh, someone was asking me to go over uh, in February, not to Prague, but somewhere else. And um, so it's yeah, and it was. I think it's Universal. They're they're out there for a whole week. Mm. And you just think, wow. Yeah. But in, also, I mean, the other the other thing is the question about the twenty two players at Angel or sixty and. In Prague or Bratislava or wherever it is, is that I think I'd rather go for the twenty-six players at Angel, yeah, because I I think it sounds as good and and not sorry it's not good it what I mean is of course it's brilliant of course it's amazing but it sounds just as big
1: yeah okay if it's orchestrated well enough it will sound. It will sound good enough. But plus, the other thing is that you know, bigger is not always better. When you're doing a drama or something, you you know, you don't want if you listen to if you listen to Downton. I mean, it's a masterclass in simplicity. What he's done on 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 for that score, and and you know, people would equate I think Downton to some a, a very high quality product. And it's you know, they're not massive sections that they use. Mm. No, it's
2: not. And also, the I, I think the mixing is very interesting as well because it's. It's and this is a compliment, but it is it's very it's very bright and it must have mm. been consciously kind of done like that Would you agree, Dan?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah there's there's definitely i mean there's a lovely top end to it. I'd like I would like to talk to the engineer to find out exactly whether that was you know like as you say, a conscious effort or not
2: yeah, because it just seems to it seems to to sort of penetrate everything doesn't it, and it never yeah. I don't know. It's interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, this is a question we ask all our guests. What advice would you give to your younger self or to someone starting in the industry?
2: I think at this stage in my life, I would definitely try and say to myself, you need to enjoy it a bit more. I think um, I would definitely say try not to worry so much. Um, (laughs) You know, we we are kind of, A delicate breed, and sometimes it's it's sort of quite kind of cutthroat, isn't it? And um, and it's quite hard to kind of you know push through the noise. I think this is quite a kind of I don't I don't know about you guys, but you know if it feels quite a kind of turning time, and it's difficult to know how to sort of manage that, and whether you just kind of hold on to all the you know experience that you do have, and all the experience you can give to projects work uh, or people so I would definitely say try and enjoy it more but the other thing as well is you know being assistant to Joby Tolbert probably was you know the best kind of experience that I've had certainly specifically in specific you know parts of this industry you know and I can I can remember being proper roasted you know in the (laughs) early stages I mean proper I remember we were doing a advert in Strongroom, I think, and I I prepared all the session in Logic because we were recording in Logic, and all the musicians had turned up, uh, and I think Tom Bailey was re- recording it, and but the studio only had uh, had Logic Eight, and I'd prepared the session on Logic Seven, and the two weren't compatible at the oh. time. So we had to get a computer biked across London. And Joby just literally just threw me some manuscript paper and just said, Go and photocopy that. And then two and a half hours later I came back with my tail in between my legs, holding a coffee, saying, Really sorry. But um but it's those kind of things you just like you learn instantly Mm. and then suddenly you you kind of your preparation just goes suddenly just kind of transforms itself and you just think i never want to be in that position ever again yeah yeah it's that that kind of double checking double checking because you can't afford you know no, to no. have mistakes nobody's
1: perfect and everybody makes those mistakes and it's when you make them it's whether you learn from them or not yes how you react mm.
2: but you know you can you can I, I can remember as a sort of younger self sort of you know they'd be like oh who's done that and you sort of like well you know i i, I I haven't done that. But now I think I'd say, oh, you know, I'm really sorry that was me. You know, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: It's really important as well. You know, even when, you know, kind of directors kind of say, well, oh, can we try that? Say, well, I'm not really that type of guy to do that, what you're wanting there. But I see what you mean. But mm. maybe we could do something that I know that I'd be able to do well. And maybe mm. we could try that. You know, so, if, you know, if someone said, can you do a um, drama based bass track? I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> you know. but but interestingly you know i wrote an orchestral piece as an introduction for the, to an orchestra for kids but i i kind of tapped in a bit of kind of drum and bass because i could i sort of knew how to kind of do it orchestrally but i wouldn't know mm. how to produ- produce a drum and bass mm, track yeah i don't actually know what my point was then but <laughs> i think it's, it's trying try and also just try and hold on to your sort of identity your uh, sound your thing your thing that you you sort of do
1: i definitely think finding yeah finding that musical identity it's it's and you won't have it to start with there'll be bits of it there but not all of it and it is about having something that means that you don't sound like somebody else you might want to sound like someone else because i think we've all had bits where we you know, desperately, I went through a very big John Powell phase where everything had to sound like John Powell, which is probably one of the reasons why I've got the kitchen sink uh, production mentality, because his stuff is just crazy in that sense. I'm not John Powell and I was, I'm i never going to be John Powell, uh, but I've taken elements from that and they've stuck. And, you know, so there are elements of some of the things that he does collaborating
0: like this dan it's actually quite a good analogy isn't it because we had to find our sound yeah not as individuals but as a, a partnership and we knew when that happened didn't we we went yeah, yeah this is this is the sound for this album
2: yeah i mean yeah. you know yeah. so going back to that question again you know the the composing arranging or conducting you know again these sort of things kind of feed in because you know i all the orchestration that I've done for Joby, all the orchestration that I've done for Paul and Murray and all this, you know, it all kind of feeds into Mm. your composing in some way. You're not necessarily aware of it, but you're, you're ingesting this music. And also you're ingesting it on a piece of paper as well, which is a very, you know, you're not doing it orally. You're kind of moving their dots about so that you can, do you know what I mean? And it's, it's it's a, it's a very different way of kind of intaking that information.
0: Great. Well, Jeremy Holland-Smith, thank you ever so much for joining us and sharing your experiences and good luck with your next secret NDA project.
2: (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much for asking me. It's been a pleasure and nice to see you both.
0: So notes. Uh, I thought rather than reading out other people's notes this week, I would read out oh. one of our posts because something very exciting is happening on Sunday. Ooh. Hmm. Our guest Andrea Gibb, one of our early guests, who is a scriptwriter. Yeah. She was talking about a new drama, Elizabeth is Missing, which is the first drama Glenda Jackson has acted in for twenty-five years. Something like that. So I uh, put out a post saying we're excited to see this next Sunday, the 8th of December, which is this coming Sunday. It is. Uh, with scripts from our marvellous guest, Andrea Gibb, and adapted from the book by E.C. Healy, and a score by Dominic Sherrer. So let's see what that's like. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, so, me too. should yeah, be good. Best of luck to everyone involved in that production. it's uh, Very exciting. Yeah. Is that a wrap?
1: I believe that's a wrap. (laughs) Chicken and bacon with some avocado if you're a millennial. That's a wrap. How do you find us? Makingasoundtrack.com will tell you all you need to know. Links to the podcast, social media links, and there's information about us too.
0: If you are enjoying the podcast, it would make our day if you could give us a positive rating or review. And if you enjoyed this episode hit that share button and recommend it to someone else. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Bye.
1: Open the door, shut the window. No, get over.